guys and welcome back to reading by flashlight this season is all about the ichabod which is written by jk rowling who you probably know is also the author of the harry potter series and we have been going over this book um today we're going to be starting on chapter 19 and we'll just see how many chapters we do on from here and chapter 19 is called lady as londa so the chapter starts out with Spittleworth going to the dungeons to, he's finally going to go finish off the men because now there's no one standing in his way from keeping the truth secret. But when he goes down there to kind of, to find them so he can finish them off, he sees Lady Islanda down there and he's like, what are you doing down here? It's kind of, you know, late for you to be here. She's like, well, I was just, you know, walking around because I couldn't go to sleep. But really, one of her handmaids had come to her, and the handmaid had heard about the lies that the king and his men had been telling. And he came to Lady Islanda and was telling her, and she said, no, we need to save these people. We need to help them. So she was going to kind of see the situation and what was happening. And she tells him, she knows about his plan and kind of confronts him about him, and he's like, she says... You know, if you do this, everyone's going to blame the king. And then you're probably going to um, face the consequences of it. And he's like, I really hate that she's right. But, like, she's right. Like, the king might be blamed for ordering, ordering, I'm using air quotes, the death of the <laughs> um, the man. So he's like, well, I guess I can't do it because then he might take away my uh, position as the chief advisor. So he's like, yeah, I guess I'm not doing that anymore. Chapter 20 is called Medals for Beamish and Buttons. So some of the men went to go investigate Nobby Buttons in the marshlands and they went to go see, is there really anything left over that would give us proof that Nobby Buttons really was a real person? And it says that all they found when they were when they were looking for evidence was a bloodstained shoes, a single horseshoe, and a few well-gnawed bones. So obviously these were placed here to make it look like Nobby was a real person to keep up the lie. And the king, who is still getting dumber and dumber, is like, wait... That's dreadful. Like, which one was he? Like, he doesn't even know his own men. He was like, which one is Nobby Buttons? And it's like, it's so easy for this Spittleworth dude to, like, take advantage of him because the king is just so dumb. And they're planning on, again, air quotes, burying Buttons' body next to Major Beamish. And Spittleworth also tells the king that he is going to receive a medal for plunging his sword into the monster's neck. And so Fred is like, oh, you know, that's really cool that I'm being honored with this. But, you know, inside he's like, you know, that's not what happened. You know that you didn't have anything to do with hurting or injuring the, Nick the Ichabod. You never stabbed it. You weren't even close enough to touch it. So they're kind of doing this ceremony thing. And so Miss Beamish and Burr are dressed in black. They come in and then there's this woman in a ginger wig who is just screaming and crying and who is telling them that she is Miss Buttons, who is Nobby's mother. And she's putting on this whole scene um, of crying and wailing and screaming for Nobby. Chapter 21 is called Professor Froddy Sham. So um, Spittleworth and Flapoon bring in this guy who's supposed to be an Ichabog expert in his name as you guessed, it was Professor Froddy Sham. 
And the king's like, how come I've never heard of you before, dude? And then the professor is like, well, I'm retired, I'm old, so few people actually believe in the Ichabog as well as I do, so I tend to keep to myself. And Flapoon and Spittleworth are so relieved that he bought into this because it turns out that the person who is being Professor Froddy Sham right now was the same person who played Widow Buttons at the funeral, and it was Lord Spittleworth's uh, butler. And he proceeds to tell him all these really, these fairy tale stories of the Ichabog and just these really exaggerated features that really only the king is buying into. And one of them actually is uh, that killing an Ichabog causes two new Ichabogs to emerge from the corpse of the first one. And the king is about ready to faint. He's like, really? And so Spittleworth and Flapoon show the king this really extravagant plan that is going to cost a lot of money. And the king's like, that much money? Like, that's a lot. But, like, if it's going to protect the people, you know, we should do it. But then he, they're like, yeah, it is a lot of money for each month. And then the king's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's going to cost that much each month? And he's like, well, if you'd rather we, like, lower the defenses a little, not do as much. And he's like, no, we have to. We have to keep it up. And they're like, well, good for you, your majesty. Good job for making the right decision. But we're not going to have you pay this, this alone. So the king's like, well, who else is going to pay for it? And he says, well, we're going to, we have the idea to impose a tax and we're going to call it the Ichabog tax. And they're going to ask every household to pay one gold piece a month. And of course, this is going to mean we're going to need recruitment and training for many new tax collectors. But if we raise the amount to two gold coins a month, we're going to, we'll cover the cost for that as well. Chapter 22 is called The House with No Flags. So the Ichabog tax has been enacted, it has been going on, and people aren't very happy about it because as the king had said, oh, no one's really gonna notice, you know, two gold pieces gone a month. But yes, people are really starting to notice the, the draining in their wallet. And so once they've kind of gotten enough gold here, they've got a stable income of gold coming. Spittleworth decides to raised a statue in honor of one of the Ichabog's victims. And at first they thought to do Major Beamish because, you know, he had family and stuff and he had people who looked up to him so it would be a really inspiring thing for people. But then they decided to do uh, one of Nobby Buttons because this was really the story that had captured the people. And so this giant statue of air quote, air quote, Nobby Buttons <laughs> was made and put kind of in the center of the public square and people would bring flowers and lay flowers on it and bring gifts and stuff and just honor it kind of. So Flapoon and Spittleworth are meeting with all the advisors and stuff and they're trying to figure out how to go on with the Ichabod defenses and some of them kind of think that that the Ichabod isn't real because there's not really enough sound evidence being presented in order to like say that the Ichabog is real, it's kind of just this thing that is relying on claims and what people say, not on the facts and stuff that they found. But the advisors are really frightened of being accused of treason and being punished for it. And so they decided to agree to approve all the expenses for the Ichabog defenses. And they're just like, well, let's do it because we don't want to be fired from our jobs. And so people in the cities and stuff really wanted to show their support for the king 
um, going out and like trying to do something about the Ichabod. So people were putting like cheap copies of paintings of King Fred fighting the Ichabod on their windows and signs like proud to pay the Ichabod tax or down with the Ichabod up with the king and just these signs and stuff and parents were teaching their kids how to bow and to curtsy to the tax collectors and it says that the Beamish's house the house with Bert and his mother was decorated in so many anti-Ichabod banners that it was hard to see the actual house and Bert and Daisy still weren't talking and Bert's kind of spending time with uh, Roderick Roach, who was uh, Major Roach's, Roach's son. And so Daisy's house is the only house in the city that is entirely free of flags and signs welcoming the Ichabod tax. And her father would always keep Daisy inside whenever the Defense Brigade would ride past, rather than the other children who would go out and run and cheer and, you know, encourage them. And so Lord Spittleworth noticed the absence of the flags and the signs that were at this one specific cottage that was towards a graveyard. And he kind of just put that away and he was like, maybe someday I'll be able to, you know, like use that against them. And chapter 23 is called The Trial. So this chapter kind of talks about how people really aren't forgetting that there's three soldiers still locked up in the basement of the kingdom, of the castle. Like, people are like, we want our family members back. You know, we want our friends back that are down there. People are like, you've had them locked up in there for months. Like, when are you going to actually give them the trial or let them go? And Lady Eslanda, who also had help organizing the thing, was like, yeah, and we want to know what they're being charged with. So Spittleworth is like, they're being charged with treason. Tr you know, they're like, treason? Like, these are some of the most loyal subjects in the king's army. Like, you're not going to find anyone else more loyal than these people. You know, why are they being charged with treason? So, then he's like, he gets an idea. So he's kind of like, okay, I'm going to put them on trial tomorrow. The trial's going to take place in the largest square and I because I want everyone to hear what they have to say. And then he smirks, and he bows, and he walks away. And then Spittleworth goes to the soldiers, and they're really thin, and they haven't. They're really, they haven't been able to shave, so, and they haven't been kept clean, so they're kind of dirty and stuff. And so he's like, good morning, gentlemen. You know, good news, you're going to be starting your trial tomorrow. So Captain Goodfellow, who still they haven't really gotten any answers as to why they were put down there, he's like, what are we being charged with? Spittleworth is like, we've been through this, Goodfellow. You know, you saw the monster in the marsh and you ran away instead of protecting the king. You then claim that the monster wasn't real to cover up your own treason and cowardice. He's like, that is treason. And then Goodfellow's like, that is a filthy lie. Do what you want to me, Spittleworth, but I am going to tell the truth. And so he said, you might not what care what, you might not care what I do to you, but what about your families? You know, it would be awful if this accident happened or or this happened and you know. He tells him, you know, take courage, gentlemen. You know, tomorrow, you know, you don't know what ha accidents are going to happen to your loved ones. So you might want to tell the, air quote, truth. Chapter 4 is titled The Bandalore. So Daisy decided that she, since she was turning 8 years old, she wanted to invite Bert and his family, his um, mother, to come over for tea to kind of celebrate. And they agreed to come, you know, and they haven't really talked for a while or just hung out because, you know, what happened to their families. So Mr. Dovetail had proposed they do a toast for Mr. Beamish. 
and that made Miss Beamish cry. And then they went out to eat, but nobody really had to say anything until Bert remembered that he had gotten a present for Daisy. So he Bert had seen a bandolore, which is what people called yo-yos at the time, in a window, and so he saved it with all his pocket money. And so Daisy had never seen one before, and Bert was going to teach her how to use it, and she became better at it, and they were playing and stuff. And so Bert and Daisy are getting along again, but um, Miss, Mr. Dovetail and Miss Beamish are kind of arguing and stuff, and they're talking about the kind of the situation with the Major Beamish's death and Nami Buttons, and they're going back and forth. Like, there's no proof of this. Yes, there is. Isn't my husband's dead body enough proof for you? And so it's escalated to this point where they're screaming at each other, and Mrs. Beamish is like, Bert, we are going home. And so Daisy's like, no, don't go, you know, stay. And she had went and got some of the Hopes of Heaven pastries that they had picked up. And she's like, Bert, I got Hope of Heaven pastries. I spent all my money on them. And Bert pushed her away. And she, Daisy had lost her grip on the box. And the pastries fell to the ground and were covered in dirt. And chapter 25, the last chapter we'll go over in this episode, is called Lord Spittleworth's Problem. And we hear that uh, Mr. Dovetail wasn't the only person who was starting to voice their doubts about the Ichabod. So, like, Cornucopia is very slowly growing poor. You know, the rich people have no problem paying their Ichabod taxes, you know. They're giving their money, they're increasing the prices of their pastries and all this stuff to pay themselves back for it. But, however, these two gold coins for just a month was increasingly hard for the poor people to find room for, especially with the food and the markets becoming more expensive. And so they're like, why is this still happening? You know, if all of our money is going, if we're raising this much money every month to be able to fight the Ichabod and keep our country safe, where's the results of this? Like, why aren't we seeing any improvement in the situation of the Ichabod? Why aren't we hearing any news about what our money is going towards to and stuff. So a group of people come together and they're thinking of signing a petition for the king to make him give them evidence for why the Ichabod tax was still necessary. And Spittleworth actually had a spy in this group who went and rode to the palace to go, you know, tell him about it. And so Spittleworth tells Roach and Flapoon about it and Roach is like, excellent work. You know, we can have them all uh, arrested for treason and put in jail. And one of the servants says, I know uh, Dan Dovetail is one of the people who he wasn't in that specific group writing a petition, but he's been very vocal about his, um, his, what, his skeptical state of the Ichabod. So he's trying to find a little bit out about Mr. Dovetail. And so he's like, like, what's his occupation? What does he do? And so the man's like, um, he's a carpenter. So Spittleworth is like, a carpenter, hmm. And then he gets this idea that's so good, he like about falls over. And we'll do chapter 26 real quick because it's pretty short too. And this is called A Job for Mr. Dovetail. So some of the Royal Guard comes to Mr. Dovetail's house and Daisy's at school at the time. And he says, uh, we've got this urgent job for you, Dovetail. A shaft on the king's carriage is broken and needs to be replaced. And he's like, already? Like, I only fixed it last month. And so Major Roach is like, it was kicked by one of the carriage horses. Are you able to come? So Mr. Dovetail's like, of course, I'll do that. And before he knew what was happening, he had a flower sack thrown over his head. His arms were being pinned behind his back and his wrists were being held together. 
and Roach was like, make one sound and it'll be your daughter who pays the price. So Mr. Dovetail immediately goes quiet and the soldiers throw him onto a stone floor and somebody pulls off his head. I'm pretty sure he's now in the dungeons. And so D Spittleworth is like, good morning, Dovetail. I have this little job for you to do. And if you do it well, you're going to be back home with your daughter in a little bit. Refuse or do a really bad job and you're never going to see her again. Do you understand? So Mr. Dovetail's like, yes, I understand. So Spittleworth is like, excellent. And he moves aside, revealing this enormous piece of wood that looks like a section of a fallen tree. And it's as big as a pony. And so besides that is um, a table and it's got a set of carpenter tools on it. So he says, I want you to make me a gigantic foot dovetail, a monstrous foot with razor sharp claws. And on the top of the foot, I want there to be a long handle so that a man on horseback could press the foot into soft ground to make an imprint. Do you understand, you know, what to do here? And Mr. Dovetail's like, do you swear, my lord, do you swear that if I do this, my daughter won't be harmed and that I'll per be permitted to go home to her? And he's like, of course. And he says, every night we're going to come and collect the tools so that you can't use them to escape. And we're going to come take everything you have and we'll get it back to you in the morning. And so with that, Roach cuts the binding on Mr. Dovetail's wrist and he rams the torch that he was carrying to the bracket of the wall. And Spittleworth, Roach, and all the other men left the cell. And so the iron door closes and Mr. Dovetail was left alone with this enormous piece of wood, some chisels, and a knife. And that is the end of this episode. We made it all the way to chapter 26. Make sure to come back next week as we'll go over the next few episodes. And I'll see you later.